0: This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Support for 100 Words comes from Talenti. When Talenti makes gelato and sorbetto, they tend to get a little overzealous. Do they need to use so many raspberries in their Roman raspberry sorbetto that the machine broke? Do they need to try 25 different chai teas to find the perfect spice blend for their vanilla chai gelato? Did they have to invent giant mint steepers to make their Mediterranean mint super minty? Does their obsessiveness make Talenti, Gelato, and Sorbetto the greatest? You be the judge. But yes, it does make them the greatest, and they're also the judge. Talenti, the delicious is in the details. And trust me, this is the real deal stuff. I love it. Their Sorbetto's are unbelievable. Now, here's the show. Hello, one. Hello, all. I am Ray Harkins, and you are listening to 100 Words or Less, the podcast. Thank you for joining us on this this gloomy afternoon here in Southern California. You're not tuning in for the weather. You are tuning in for people tuning in. I always love when I say that, tuning in like you're you're flipping a dial on your radio. It's like you're, you're downloading this. You're listening to a podcast, so I'm not going to pretend that this is radio. <laughs> but we are here talking to people, creators, influencers, major players within the independent music community, whether it's starting a record label, whether it's playing music themselves, whatever. As long as you have been involved in this thing or have been influenced it, influenced by it <laughs> in a very profound and deep way. And Keith Barney is on the show today. He's the guitarist for 18 Visions. He also is the vocalist for the first two records of Throwdown. He also played in Death by Stereo. He was a very overactive dude when it came to his participation in the Orange, C- <laughs> Orange County music scene here. And uh, I've known him forever. And we actually talked about that at the top of the episode, so I won't belabor that point. But um, let me get some business pleasantries out of the way, and then we will uh, dive into the episode. First of all, I have to tell you, like I've been telling you all month long, and if you haven't done it yet, please just step up, do this. Rise Against, unbelievable band. They have a new record, Wolves, that's coming out on June 7th. Go to riseagainstshop.com. You can pre-order it. You can see all these amazing options in regards to T-shirts, long sleeves, sweaters, colored vinyl. All that fun stuff is at their pre-order. And I've heard the record. It is really, really good. And if you have not listened to Rise Against at all, please rectify that immediately. This band is the realest of the real. They are A major player within the uh, rock world now. It's like they're not just, you know, an independent punk and hardcore band. They are influencing people in a major, huge way. I just love going to Rise Against shows, seeing the sort of people that attend these shows. And they are such a wide variety of, like, you know, mainstream music lovers and then people such as myself, where it's like, oh, yeah, like you you look like you're from the scene, quote unquote. But uh, yeah, Rise Against, so good. They are on tour all this summer with Deftones and Thrice, and that is going to be an unbelievable show. So please, the record's called Wolves. Pre-ordered immediately. And uh, yeah, you'll be thanking me after you did. (laughs) I'm always so presumptuous about that. Like someone's going to write me and be like, hey, thank you for telling me to (laughs) pre-order the Rise Against record. (laughs) But anyways, hopefully you will thank me. I'm fairly certain based on the quality of the record that you will be thanking me. And I also have to tell you about this awesome service called Symbol.fm. I love this thing so much. I've been having a lot of fun interacting with some of you on the platform. And basically, it's just the easiest way to share music, not only in that particular app, but then also to other social networks. And I just find it so fun. It's just a great way to consume music. Please add me at xPurposeX, and then we'll be able to, uh, yeah, talk on there, share music, Look at charts. It's a great tool for discovery as well. So please, I back them wholeheartedly and you will your life will be enriched after you download that app. And then um, I also want to tell you about a, another incredible podcast. You've been hearing these recommendations and hopefully you've been sampling them and taking heed. There is a great show on the Jabberjaw Network called Too Old to Date. And this is definitely not of the music variety that you are used to from Jabberjaw. But uh, that means the show must be really, really good. And frankly, it is. So I mean I've been out of the dating game for a while, but listening to the show is highly entertaining because uh, basically they you know compile horrible, hopeful, fun dating stories from people who have, are out there out in the world doing it, trying to meet people in this you know highly digitized society of uh, you know Tinder and everything else that exists. So if you if that sounds remotely interesting, please dive in there because there's uh, some very insightful conversations that happen there, some funny, some horrifying <laughs> all the above, but too old to date. You can find it at any podcast catcher. And, uh, yeah, thanks Jabberjaw for bringing us great shows, right? All right. That's uh, that's all the, the business stuff initially. And, uh, maybe you'll hear some more about it later, but who knows? Maybe you won't. <laughs> Anyways, like I said, Keith, I've known for a very long time. We've played a lot of shows together over the years and I went over his house one evening and we had a great conversation in his backyard. It was, um, it, it's one of those things. that's funny because you know, a lot of people, you know, like when you go to shows and you're, you're mixing it up and, or even in the real world, you know, you know, people, but then if no one has the time to sit down and really kind of, you know, get to know a person on a deeper level, I can't tell you how many times I've had a person on the show that first of all, I walk away being like, Oh wow, I didn't know those things about them. And then I have people reach out to me or I'm just in conversation with others who are like, Man, I've known this person for ten years, and I didn't know these things. So it's such a fun thing for me to be able to not only give, but then also selfishly receive. And um, yeah, Keith just shared a lot of his uh, his stories. We we go into um, you know some pretty specific things, but uh, and we also you know maybe wax poetic a little bit about the uh, beauty that uh, was the Orange County hardcore scene that we were participating in very actively from you know late '90s, early 2000s. Uh, just because I do feel like it was uh, such a special thing, and I'm not, you know, putting on my rose-colored glasses and being like, "Oh man, it, the scene was so much better back then." That's not what I'm saying, but uh, it it was something very, very special. So, anyways, here's my discussion with Keith, and I will talk to you afterwards. Oh, the I've known you forever. But, like, if you put me on the spot, I'd be like, oh, yeah, like, when did you meet Keith? No fucking clue. Like, I have no idea. Like, obviously, it was that show through music or whatever, but I would have no idea, like, what, (laughs) like, oh, yeah, it was that show that we played together or whatever.
1: But, I mean, I I presume you probably have the same. I think so, um, except maybe I went to, like, a taken band practice or something one time oh,
0: okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that actually, yeah. When we were practicing at Troy's house, cause that's yeah, what, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I remember that.
1: Maybe, yeah, yeah. maybe that's, or maybe I knew you before then. I don't know. Because, yeah. Because, because I was friends with Chad.
0: Exactly. Yeah. yeah that's right. That's maybe right. that's what it was. Yeah. Now <laughs> that's right. Now I totally remember. Cause that was like relatively early ish in our, I use the word career lightly. Um, <laughs> but the, I just remember where it was like, Chad's like, oh, Keith's going to come over. And like, I remember being like, like fuck like Keith like, like, like adamantium and throw down and it's like and I remember because like I mean how old are you you're 38 Eight. okay yeah I'm 36 but this actually leads into my first point where the uh I like I can't tell you how much I worshipped at the altar of adamantium like mm. the first seven inch in the first LP where I was looking at what you guys were doing and and it was, like, it was so far from anything that I could, like, comprehend as far as, like, like, you're playing at Showcase Theater. Like, this is unbelievable. There's, like, 200 people here, and they're going nuts. And, like, but you, and you guys felt so much older than me. Like, it was just, you know, it's yeah. it's weird how that
1: happens. Yeah, when you're younger, everyone seems, even just a little bit of differences, it seems
0: like a big difference. Right. For sure. It's, like, generationally speaking, you're just, like, I mean, I've said this before, too, on the podcast, but, like, like Matt Pryor from the Get Up Kids, it's, like, he is, you know, he's maybe, I think he's like 42 or 43, but like, you know, watching him at Coos Cafe, you're just like, dude, this guy's like, he's like so much older.
1: <laughs> yeah, totally.
0: <laughs> but I, I remember the, uh, one of, I think it, I think it was Taken's first show beyond like a crappy showcase battle of the bands was we played with you guys and a day in the life at oh, showcase nice. theater, like terrible show. There was like you know 80 people there or something like that but yeah. we were all just so stoked because we were just like dude we're sharing the stage with adamantium <laughs> and it was i'm sure that there were i mean maybe not like maybe i'm presuming this but like what what were your bands that you were kind of like looking up to in regards to just like locally that you felt that sort of same like oh wow it's like even though they're maybe only like two years older than me like, yeah <laughs>
1: I mean, Unbroken, easily. Yes. I was a huge, huge fan. Um, You know, totally obsessed back in high school and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, Them, I mean, I liked the spectrum of different types of bands in hardcore. Yeah. I I really enjoyed the fact that I could go to a show and see different types of bands. Um, But, so... I was really big into Excessive Force at the time. Hell, yeah. You know, because they were just, like, so aggressive, so militant. Right. I love that. And then, but, you know, um, Damnation, that was Mm -hmm. a big band for me back then. Well, for local local stuff, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Mean Season, Right. that was was another big band for me. Strife was a big band. Mm -hmm. You know, huge, huge, you know, totally different type of hardcore, right? Yep. But, um, yeah, some were just kind of, like there were some that I really dove into because of like the lyrics and I could stare at like the record Mm -hmm. and like really dive into the world thinking about those records. And then there were some that like all I cared about was like, the live experience, which was like strife, right. Right? You know, and like the live experience of seeing like 300 kids going nuts to like sing along to the same song. Right. Whereas other bands didn't quite have that. Mm-hmm. It was just kind of more introspective or something, you know, I yeah. just loved that spectrum. Yeah. You know,
0: no, that's a, that's the a really good point. I mean, it's like mean season is a prime example of a band that like, yeah, at one point they were getting reactions, but not to the same extent as like you said, like strife or something like sure. that.
1: But I could listen to a mean season record and appreciate it more musically mm-hmm. for different things things and they'd have like these you know cool like acoustic bits and like just the extra textures and layers that made me start thinking oh maybe i could do that too you know
0: right right and so i mean once you started to attend shows and like watch you know bands play like were you immediately taken by the fact that you wanted to be on stage and play in a band
1: um i was already playing music um not great, but I was but I was playing guitar for a while there. And, no, I think I've always looked at most of my life as just, like, one piece at a time. I, I didn't have any big plans or big thoughts on anything. I just, oh, I think I can do this. That looks attainable, so I'll just do that. And then once I would get to that step, then I would, oh, I think maybe I can do this now. Right. So at that time, it <coughs> it was just about, like, ha- uh, finding other guys that liked the same stuff, and I just wanted to get, and this is something that, to this day... I still com- is enjoy just about the most is just, just getting in a practice space and, and practicing with other guys. And so at that time it was like, rad, I always want to like have band practice and play heavy stuff. and Right. Yeah. Just, <laughs> just, just the, the camaraderie aspect of it. Yeah. It's almost like a treehouse. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like the guys get together and you're in this space and like no one else is around. And, and actually like for me in general, I, I, I never liked big groups of people. Like hanging out in big groups where you kind of get lost, or people are mingling, and so you never get into deep conversation, that kind of stuff, right? Right. So, but I and and I mean, I have no problem like hanging out and watching a movie by myself or this and that. But I like that small group of people because then, like, you can get to know people, you can rap out about this and that. What are you into? And there's enough time for everyone to kind of chat. You know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. you, You. You. Right. You. You don't have the the i mean because you know when, once you get like more than like 15 people then it becomes like a small party and yeah. like there's no
1: all, all the your connection looking... just starts breaking up yeah a little bit you know and so like i felt like you get five guys in a practice space who all love the same music and the connection would just get super deep and we're just like fucking we're working towards this thing we're working towards whatever it is like, you know initially obviously it's a demo yeah we're gonna like <laughs> so that we can have that demo to give to our friends and like And then once you get to that step, it's like, oh, maybe like we'll work towards a house show. Right. You know what I mean? (laughs) Totally. Yeah. These, these, man, I love all that stuff.
0: Yeah. I I mean, I, I really like how you frame that because the, uh, you know, the idea, especially too, because it's like, you know, from the mid nineties to the late nineties, it was such a, uh, you know, the idea of playing aggressive music and like, you know, making a career out of it didn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. Like there was no road, like you had a band, you know, even bands like obviously, you know, Strife and Earth Crisis and Snapcase, like those were. They were career bands, but not to the extent of you know. It's like they were touring and coming home with like, all right, cool, got eight hundred bucks for rent, and then like that's like it. But then you had you know you maybe had a band like Hatebreed, but it wasn't until like really like a band like you know frankly Poison the Well, like kind of breaking open more wider in regards to oh these are people that aren't into like hardcore that are coming to their shows or
1: whatever. But like
0: there was no notion that you would do this as like a life totally.
1: Yeah, (laughs) no, it wasn't. Yeah, it was it was really somewhere around that time where like. Bands started to break out into like other genres, or, or or kids coming from other genres to see those shows. That was like, oh, and then that started breaking out and spiraling, and this and that. You know?
0: Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. And we'll but return- I agree. Up, yeah, up
1: until that point, it was, it was. I mean, those bands probably toured Snapcase, Earth Christ all those bands at the time, but just because they loved hardcore. I mean, yeah, you know what I mean. They didn't, they didn't have big aspirations probably right right and
0: and the idea of like making a living was like such a meager living where you're just like yeah when i go home i don't immediately have to return to the bagel shop to like work or like i have you know three weeks in which before the next tour starts that i like don't have to you know work a temp job or whatever uh which will return to that but the uh so you you were born and raised in southern california right
1: no i was born in colorado oh okay six months in i moved to we my family moved to chicago Oh Chicago okay. for three years, and then we moved to Texas, just outside Dallas lived there for about a year and we were my dad tells me that they were pretty miserable in Texas it was <laughs> too hot and too many bugs and too whatever yeah and then an uh, opportunity for him opened up in in California so Got I it. came out here, and I was about here by the time I was like five six so basically
0: yeah like most most of your memories exist within Southern California
1: really, yeah. most of my memories are. Here, and then probably a good 30%, 40% are Washington State, where all my family's really from. Oh, okay. So every year I would go up there. I mean, every year of my life, go up to Washington State and then visit the relatives and all that kind of stuff. So sure. So the Northwest is definitely, like, a part of my heart. I love it up there. Right. But, yeah, basically from California. Right.
0: And so it, you're an only child, right, or no? No, I have a sister. Oh, okay. Oh, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because um, the— it, I don't know why I always thought that you were an only child just because you, you tend is, especially with what you're talking about in regards to not liking large groups and like actually having like more intimate connections with people. Cause you know, that kind of tends to be like a more only child
1: yeah. thing where it's like, yeah. oh yeah, actually like, like well, we were so different, honestly. Yeah. Felt like it a lot of times. <laughs> so completely opposite. Right. Was there,
0: was there a, a lot of uh, turmoil and strife between that relationship or you guys were just on your both different paths?
1: No, we always got along pretty well, um, but my my parents were very conservative, mm-hmm. very Orange County conservative, right? Um, whether it was religious or their oh. you know political leanings and all that kind of stuff, and my sister kind of gravitated towards what they were kind of talking about and right. shelling or whatever, you know, and I was always like, yeah, but these records are telling me that they- <laughs> I was going to say, I was like, then here, here, you comes you with all,
0: right, here comes you with all these subculture ideas where they're yeah. just like, what is Keith getting into? Yeah, exactly. So, um, <laughs> was that, was that, you know, I'm, I'm guessing. So that it I was, definitely created awkwardness. <laughs> was, was it, and was it hard for your parents to understand where you were coming from or they just think it was like a phase or how did they treat that as you were bringing all that stuff
1: home? Absolutely impossible. Like yeah. th- there was no acceptance of it at all. Um, I mean, in general, like when I was in high school, I was you know it was like a lot of my friends. I was way into like skating mm-hmm. and music, going to shows, all that kind of stuff. But I would have to like hide the clothes I wanted to wear in my trunk, and like when I go to school, I would change. You know wow. What I mean? Okay. Yeah. yeah sure. And um, so what you'd be wearing, like, you know, like a
0: put like looking like nice, like a polo shirt and then like, like, no, it would just be
1: like a like a like a quick silver shirt, <laughs> with like probably some like dockers or something like that. Right. And then I would like change into like my fucked shorts and like my sure <laughs> my whatever shirt, you know, like right, my, right. XL fucking hardcore shirt of
0: course you know yeah exactly because that's all the size they made back then
1: <laughs> straight up
0: <laughs> I think so that's funny so it be, because of that you getting into a weird subculture and on top of it also being very influenced by its ideals and philosophies um your parents are basically like did they I mean accept it from the standpoint of just like all right we don't understand this Keith is going to do this regardless or was it a constant like Keith, you can't be out in a school night. Like
1: a lot of battles from that perspective. I mean, yeah, it was, (laughs) the whole thing was a battle. Um, Okay. They, they didn't like the music. Um, before I got into hardcore, my first love was Led Zeppelin and classic rock and a lot of rad stuff that my dad showed me. Okay. Um, like Eric Clapton and cream and the doors and all that kind of stuff. And then I got like, then I found punk and this and that. Um, when I got into like junior high and high school and stuff, but, Mm -hmm. um, so when I got into, like, the heavier stuff, which I totally, like, grabbed onto, um, yeah, they didn't get that at all. Um, they didn't understand straightage at all. My dad was like, oh, I'm never going to be able to have a beer with you kind of a thing, you know. Um, Dude,
0: I, lo- I love those, like, father moments where it's just like, oh, we'll never be able to bond
1: yeah, because we was, can't. <laughs> yeah, and I'm looking at it, looking at it, I'm like, so what? Like, we can't talk? We can't be close or something? Like, <laughs> Totally. So stupid. Right. But, um. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember I used to like put flyers on my wall and all that kind of stuff, and then I had to take them down, and right. I would get tickets to a show in L.A., but that was too far, so they ripped up my tickets oh, and stuff yeah. like that. It was just um, it, so like the day I graduated high school, I moved out. You peaced out, and I moved up to up to Newport, sure. and uh, that's where I started living with Aaron. Lisi, who was at a to him, and yep. Tommy love and those guys like so I had become friends with those guys because of shows in high school mm-hmm. but it was like the day I was out they all my friends they were all like Keith you gotta get the fuck out of here so we can start playing and all this stuff you know because they I mean it, I was just brimming right. with all the shit I wanted to do yeah but I was so like restricted yeah you home, felt held so. back right right anyway
0: dude that's funny <laughs> <laughs> that's funny that
1: it was so like yeah, I mean, it's it, my life was rad, but all that stuff that had to do with hardcore and the thing that really, really was important to me, right, was the thing that like I had to keep a lid on or something, you
0: know? right? Totally. Just, well, yeah, you're. Ex- I mean, you're extremely passionate about it, and your parents don't want to, uh, you know, help you along with that passion, even if they may not understand it. They just yeah. didn't want to help, and that's yeah, that's hard.
1: Yeah, <laughs> they, n- they never saw me play until like maybe like a year before 18 Visions broke up. Wow. Yeah. Like, they just straight up would not support it. Wow.
0: And yeah. the, when they eventually did, like, I'm not saying that their perspective changed, but, like, did they understand it a little bit? Or did, they have, did you have any dialogue with them on that? Or was it just like, well, no, that was that.
1: I don't think I ever addressed it head on. Yeah. But, but the reality was, and the coolest part about it was, my dad's mom, my grandma. Uh-huh. She was the first one to come see me. Well, my sister had seen me play a few times when I was younger. Sure. She, my sister was always cool, but she didn't care about it like that right <clears throat> but my grandma came and saw me play when i was up in washington state in spokane she asked my cousin to drive her out to the show so they came out it's amazing and they saw we i think we were on tour with like it was kill switch engage or something like that and they and she came and watched us play and i think that inspired my dad to be like hey like this is your kid time's like moving along you better get out and like experience this kind of a thing you know right so it was rad and and I just appreciated it I didn't want to make a big deal of it I was like yeah oh cool, you want to come rad I just didn't make I didn't want to
0: totally like the the gesture in and of itself was incredibly meaningful
1: yeah right yeah I mean I was pissed about all the years they didn't of but course like, I didn't want to go there it was just like I was just happy that they we kind of
0: yeah you wanted to enjoy the moment for what it was yeah. as opposed to yeah. like hey hey right after the show let's do a full deconstruction on what you think Oh boy, I'm excited to tell you that today's show is brought to you by Audible, our old friends. I love it when they hang out in the show because they provide the best audiobook performances, the largest library, and the most exclusive content. So there's a sh- there's a, I'll just call it a show because that's sometimes what it feels like. But there's a book that I read recently. I read the actual physical copy and then I wanted to listen to it. It's called Annihilation by Jeff Vandermeer. And holy crap, that book is unbelievable. I highly, highly suggest that you go start your 30-day free trial and your first Audible book is free, which why don't you download that? And you can do that at audible.com slash words. And trust me, so imagine this, close your eyes. If you were listening to Annihilation right now on Audible, you'd experience things like, you know, that little tingles in the back of your neck, maybe a little goosebumps or a shiver down your spine because with an Audible sci-fi performance so powerful, you can feel like you're transported to another galaxy, dimension, whatever, all while you're sitting in traffic, running on the treadmill, doing whatever you do during your day. But but Annihilation is like six hours. It's unbelievably red. it's It's... performance you know so trust me go to audible.com slash 100 words that's the number 100 100 100, w-o-r-d-s audible.com slash 100 words you get your first book for free please i'm giving you a free book more entertainment more fun stuff so thank you audible thank you for supporting the show and now Back to my discussion with Keith. Something that you've actually mentioned in previous interviews that I found interesting was the uh, notion that you got, once you got introduced to hardcore via, because it was kids in your baseball team, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's, there's that common... I mean, it, it's less so now where that, that distinction between like sports and jock mentality and, you know, hardcore and punk, like they were at odds obviously for many years. And so I find it interesting that it was like, you know, dudes you were hanging out with on the baseball team, like, it's yeah. clearly there's nothing wrong with playing sports, but it was like, you know what I'm talking about? Like, there is that yeah. like, Oh, like, Oh, you play sports, but like, you can't really be, you
1: know, into hardcore
0: as well. Like there people maybe
1: like you know sports, that, but it wasn't overt, you know, that, the only sport that seemed like taboo for that was football, right? Honestly. Like until I, ten
0: yard fight. No, I'm just kidding, <laughs> 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 but yes, I'm just kidding. But yes, your of, points.
1: Uh, I always played soccer and baseball, and soccer has always been like my my number one. Sp- yeah, my number one sport. But yeah, so those are the two that I played. And on in in baseball and soccer, there was always other kids that were like, were into like punk or hardcore and stuff like that too. So yeah, that wasn't weird, but it was very. De- it was definitely very strange when like dudes from football team be like hey like can i borrow that tape or can i you know whatever like that would be a little weird you know
0: right <laughs> yeah that's true yeah i guess yeah football was definitely distinct in that because i mean it's so closely linked to you know the art- archetype of yeah,
1: a jock exactly <laughs>
0: um and so like did you, you know, as you were going through school did you uh, care about it did you you know apply yourself did you uh, or was it one of those things you're like yo i can't wait to get through high school to move um, on to my next thing
1: school um you know i i knew that because of my parents and all that kind of stuff i knew I how to do at least decent right you know? <laughs> I mean, my sister was like straight a's like so i couldn't I, I didn't even i didn't have the patience to do all that <laughs> i mean right. i definitely had all these i mean at that time i was playing soccer full-time yep. like whether it was for high school or for club sure um and then i was like skateboarding and i was into going to the record store and going to shows i was so f- busy so i mean i got by through grades and i did i always did pretty good Mm -hmm. c's b's and a's a smattering of everything yeah um and you know certain things i would get i would get pretty interested in but um no it wasn't it wasn't important to me really yeah you know
0: yeah did you uh did you have pro aspirations in regards to soccer um I mean, as real as they can be, you know, with the notion that you're like, well, uh, like I don't yeah, know if I'll ever I,
1: get there, but like I said, I only did like pieces at a time when I ever thought about things. So I, I thought about college, yeah, yeah. I did, um, because I I was I was pretty good, and I, you know, I was always a starter. I was always you know varsity every year, even as a freshman and all that kind of stuff. And
0: yeah, well, you're playing club teams and playing year round, like yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, So I, I mean, I was I was definitely super super serious about it, um, but really. Uh, I just became more serious about music.
0: <laughs> you always reach that fork in the road moment.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> Anybody that's like doing, I was the same way. I mean, for me it was golf. Like I was like nine until about 15. It was like junior PGA playing in tournaments. And then that's it came, right. yeah, it came to that point where it was just like, ah. I mean, there was a myriad of reasons why I didn't like, uh, why I wasn't able to continue to pursue golf, but it definitely was just like, yo, going to shows and like playing in bands. Like that's like really fun.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. <laughs> But it also looks so much more attainable. You go to a show and you see like four dudes your age playing like six chords and you're like, true. I can do that like by next week.
0: <laughs> right? No, it's very true. Like so, rather than like looking at the... And your you, friends will think
1: you're awesome, right?
0: <laughs> totally. Or, look at, or looking at like the PGA Tour or, you know, European soccer and be like, how the hell am I going to get there? Yeah, totally. like that Like that's, that's such a far road to, to go down.
1: I um, got accepted for some team that could go to go play in like it was like France and somewhere else, but my... My parents didn't really want to spend the money on it. Like,
0: oh yeah, that's they, a huge commitment. Yeah, that was a big kind of a big deal. Um, so, what what ostensibly was your was is Adamantium your first band, or did you play in other things prior to that?
1: Well, before Adamantium, we were called Collapse. Uh, yes, right. So, sure. so in high school, like, um, that was
0: Collapse was essentially your first band.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was essentially my, as far as like a show
0: is concerned. Yeah. I mean, even though you guys played house shows, you know,
1: yeah, yeah, we played as Collapse and. And, I mean, I, like I said, oh, there was so much time in there where we were practicing and demoing and stuff, so, so I considered it a band. Yeah. And then we, you know, turned into Adamantium. And-
0: right, 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 yeah. Um, because the the thing that I, the thing that I always really, um, uh, not only admired, but was frankly jealous of, too, because, I mean, I, I went to high school at Orange Lutheran, which was like so far disconnected from, you know, Newport Harbor and Colonel Mar, and like, all, I always felt, in Huntington High, I always felt like, oh man, like... It's cool that you guys all are into hardcore in the in, in high school because it seemed like it was like, oh, yeah, you either go to Huntington or Newport Harbor if you're into hardcore. Yeah. And then it was like it, it was legitimately like me that liked hardcore at my school. And then I eventually got Nick and Troy played and in Taken into it. But I felt so, I was just like, oh, man, I kind of wish that I had this big group of friends. It seemed so cool to me. I am guessing it was to have this this community of kids.
1: Well, honestly, I I went to school down here in Elisa Viejo. Right. And uh, there was a small group. Okay. Um and then there was like a, a a few like older kids um that would, you know, shell down records and stuff like that. There was so there was a there was a small group. We didn't yeah. have a huge, but yeah, you're right. Like Newport and stuff like that, you know. When when I met all these people from Northern Orange County, and you know because of adamantium and all that stuff um yeah like they had a huge cruise yeah and so it was like all of a sudden like friends multiplied and like this this community really multiplied right and 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 that was rad too because the friends that i had down here they they would always come up and go to shows and play and whatever and so then the two started connecting south county and north county like they started to become friends and then there was more mingling and stuff like that and then it just yeah it started branching which was cool
0: yeah yeah no that is interesting where it because it really did i mean you know from whatever 96 till about you know whatever 2003 2004 it was so um exciting to be a part of something that was not on the national radar and then all of a sudden like i so distinctly remember it was like the, uh, you know, like at the glass house, it was like, I want to say, you know, Throwdown bleeding through. Um, I, I can't recall whether or not what iteration of Throwdown it was. I apologize. But I just remember it was like these local bands sold out the
1: glass house. Yeah. Holy shit. Like, yeah. it was unbelievable. I think I was singing at that time. Yeah, I think and so. It was a, that was, I think that was right before I stopped singing for Throwdown, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, Because I was so fucking nervous, like leading up to the show, like that was yeah, like you said, it was a huge moment. Yeah, it was like oh my god, like we're playing at Glasshouse, like this is where I went and saw the Deftones, right, Slipknot, and stuff like that, right, and Voodoo Glue calls, right. (laughs) Yeah, but it it was it was so it's just
0: weird when you w- watch a scene yeah. get as big as that. I mean, I know it happens all over the place, but it was like, you know, because it was our scene and we were all like cultivating and working for it. And then all of a sudden, once it started to break open, it was just like, Oh my gosh, this is like next level weird. Then I remember, I remember it. Like, I mean, you distinctly remember when before chain reaction had any sort of, uh, capacity limits and they would let like yeah. 175 million people in there. Yeah. I remember it was, I think it was like us, you guys, um, i can but it was just basically all locals and it was like six of us playing together and there was like i mean they sold like 850 tickets there and i was just like yeah. and you can even move around in there and yeah, it was like totally. what are what are, what is ha- like what is happening these are people who are not we haven't like seen coming to shows that are coming to shows and it's just
1: wild yeah it was awesome yeah. and you know i didn't ever th- know outside of our scene what it was like in other scenes i mean yeah just from zines and stuff like that i would see things and i would probably just think about me it was probably crazy it's probably crazy in syracuse, syracuse i was gonna right? say syracuse you know is mean? the it's only touchstone sick in philly but <laughs> i don't know i just yeah uh, but uh, but for us i mean it, it must have i i think i think i do remember thinking like it must be pretty cool here because all these rad bands are coming through like right you know when they did like the california takeover yeah like, that was a big deal you know
0: totally totally yeah it's just it's it's weird but um the uh so we, the, and I am apologize, I'm going to jump around here just because, you know, I mean, a lot of the, uh, since you played in so many bands, it's tough to uh, be able to distill them all into a, <laughs> into a concise moment, but oh it's, yes, yeah, it's completely your fault. <coughs> the, um, like when you, when you left Adamantium, uh, you know, ostensibly for the fact that because they are no longer a straight edge band, like that was, you know, a breaking point for you. I remember being like, that's cool. Like, I mean, granted, yes, I'm speaking from a colored perspective where I myself am straight edge and I'm still straight edge. But like, it was one of those things where it's like the, the, the principle behind it, even though, um, you know, the music was changing over time and everything else was changing within the members of the band. Um, it was like, Oh, like you, you didn't technically from a public facing perspective need to do that. Right. But you did that because you're just like, well, this is like what I believe. And I feel like this is a weird thing
1: to continue on. I mean, I'm sure like, I'm sure it was tough for you. It was. I mean, I, I started the band, you know. Right. And, well, you know, it's. Fun. It, it was tough for me. Yes, it was tough. To, at that, when I, when I made the decision, there had been like six months that had spanned since because I quit the band because Matt Horowitz sold out. Right. You know, he was like my best friend through high school and all. I mean, we still, you know, he's still my my brother. Yeah. And but at the he knew that we you know, we started the band together, the two of us. We started Collapse and it turned and all this stuff. And so he knew that it was a strange band. So when we talked about it, he was just like. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, it's it's cool, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, okay, you know, whatever and so we tried to find another drummer and we couldn't find anyone that was straight edge and as good as Matt. So I'm like, well, you know, I don't know what we're going to do. And then when everyone was like, well, we'll just get like another good drummer that's not straight edge. I was like, well, I would feel really weird cuz I wrote all these straight edge lyrics and like <laughs> we were never like super outwardly No, no, edge, no, no. You know? like but right. but lyrically that was kind of like behind the scenes what was com- coming through, you know, on all right. that stuff. So I was just like, that would just feel so weird. You know, I can do something else that, that still does that thing that, that I still do, embodies you know?
0: this. Yeah, yeah. 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 No, I just,
1: it, it, cause like I said, it's it like was hard, but it wasn't like from the core of it, which like was Horowitz. I said, that wasn't tough. That, that, right. com- that conversation was really easy.
0: Right. Right. But yeah, there's like leading up to it where it's just like, Oh wow. Like, I guess, yeah, this is a decision I have to make.
1: <laughs> and I think, you know, honestly, I think maybe, maybe I was ready to try other things too. Cause I had been jamming with those dudes for so long. Right. You know?
0: Yeah, yeah, that's true. So it's like it, it, you know, the whatever one door closes and the window opens, whatever the saying goes. But like, yeah. yeah, you you don't recognize it at the time, but you're like, oh yeah, like now I can express myself yeah. in a joke Hardcore band that came became real. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> but it, and well, it's true. And, well, no, I mean, speaking of that, it was like it was so uh, you know, with Throwdown, it was so interesting to to watch something that you know clearly started off as just like you know, as every band does, as every band does, friends having fun. But like the the level in which that it <laughs> the the fun was on display yeah. was so like it was just like this is weird and then <laughs> all, all of a sudden it, <laughs> it started like when people when people like the audience took it seriously and then forced you guys to take it seriously like was that just a weird transition in your head to be like oh like uh, oh this is a this is a quote unquote real thing
1: now yeah yeah I mean, I mean the you know those first songs were totally a joke but i mean even like three or four songs in we started writing you know just regular hard hardcore songs you know that you know had serious lyrics and music and all that stuff but we liked to mix it up obviously um but yeah i guess the fact that it caught on or something like that um and we needed songs to play live (laughs) we gotta write more songs so we you know right um and so we would just leave those joke songs in as like a smattering of for fun like and 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 we loved that you know we loved that um it was it was an we wanted throwdown to be more of an experience like we weren't trying to like (laughs) we weren't trying to do anything crazy at all you know we weren't trying to do anything super interesting we literally it was like i was talking about like strife you know we wanted to have fun playing live shows right? right and and I mean we just wanted to be heavy and have sing-alongs and just
0: <laughs> right let's 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 boil it down super simple oh, yeah. and we had a fucking blast
1: right right <laughs> it was so fun
0: I, it, it was just weird like from an outsider's perspective just like watching it like it, the, like i said the distinct moment of people like starting to take it seriously where I was just like i was like you like and not like i was looking at you guys being yeah. like oh this is a fucking joke band like why are you guys into them but it was just like oh this is like this is crazy like this is they Throwdown is getting a better reaction than 95% of the other bands that are playing it like quote unquote seriously you know and it was just it was it, you know it, it it always brought me back to the idea where it's just like oh like sometimes the most honest and truest like form of expression when you're not putting frankly too much thought into it can sometimes be the best.
1: Yeah but you know what also I'm you know I'm thinking about it now like so we had like a song called Trust yep. we had uh, the song Family like these were like like, lyrically, like, they were super important to me. Right. You know, um, obviously all the straight-edge songs, Don't Lose Sight, all that stuff. Like, the, I think people really latched onto that because, yeah. I mean, my whole goal with in All, of, at least when I was singing, was was I want to make it clear as day so that you know where I'm coming from and if you have been there too, or if you are there too, yeah. like we can totally like reach a connection instantaneously. And that's what I wanted was like, cause, cause it was the live show and like, whatever I wanted. That was what I loved about a lot of records, you know, was mm-hmm. just connecting with that, you know? And so, um, yeah, that was kind of the goal. And I think, that's where some of that serious vibe came out of it. Yeah, so, that's Grap- true. They really latched onto those things. Right. Yeah, yeah. And then the fun parts were like, "Rad, we're just having fun, kicking each other."
0: Right. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Of course. Right. <laughs> the um, I found it interesting too. Like, I mean, like speaking from my perspective, and maybe I'm just like imposing this on you too, but like when. You know, all of our bands were playing out together and, you know, touring and, and, you know, bringing awareness to Orange County. A lot of this stuff felt really life or death. You know, like there's clearly always drama that was happening within the context of a scene, as in every scene that happens where it's just like, you know, whatever. Oh, this dude sold out or whatever. There's so much stuff that happens. Yeah. Um did did that um you know i mean obviously you're speaking about it retrospectively but did that um stuff bum you out weigh you down did you try to ignore it like how did that stuff all affect you as it was kind of going on
1: yeah some of that stuff was tough because at the especially you know in your early 20s or whatever Mm -hmm. you're still trying to figure out how to deal with difficult situations right right and then you're surrounded by a bunch of other people that are, too, you know? Yeah. Um, so it, some of that stuff isn't easy. And plus, you're living day in and day out with, like, yeah, like you said, it really was like life or death mm-hmm. for a lot of things. We took so, like all that stuff, like, so seriously, and which was great. I mean, that's what we wanted to do, right? Right. But, um, you know, you're older now, and you can look back and be like, maybe we shouldn't have taken it quite so seriously sometimes you know right but um i think that's just maybe i I really think it's just part of maybe the age
0: oh yeah the the youth is definitely you know because i mean you're all children
1: the perspective you just don't have the perspective quite yet right um but uh yeah and and so like in my experience like i was playing life or death with multiple bands at the same time right and that became the rub for you know Drama and whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I, I mean, everything's cool now, but I, I didn't, and I never meant to hurt anyone. All I ever wanted to do was play hardcore. All I wanted to do was tour and play music, and and I just I couldn't be in these multiple places at the same time, and right, and uh, so yeah.
0: yeah. Well, I mean, you, it, it struck me just from an outsider's perspective too, just because you were involved in stuff. Well, yeah, I mean, 18 yeah. visions, Death by Stereo. Like when you were when you were balancing all this, like there were there were moments where I was just like, I was like, you can't be like, you can't be doing all this, Keith. Like, just yeah. say, not even from like a, a, a you know a parental concern, but just like <laughs> this is crazy. Like this dude, this dude's gonna burn himself out. Yeah. Like, did you did you ever feel? I mean, did you feel pulled in so many different directions that you're just like, I don't, I, I only got to concentrate on one thing.
1: Yeah. Um, everything kind of hit ahead. I literally did like three tours back to back in one summer, which was adamantium throwdown mm-hmm. and death by stereo i think right and on the death by stereo tour i was just like okay i think i've hit my limit <laughs> uh and i mean a lot of it had to do with i, I, you know, I had a girlfriend yeah at the time like a serious relationship and you know she was cool with me playing in bands right but not being gone for like months and months and right It'd be gone I, for
0: four months with three different bands
1: especially at that age yeah. you know cause yeah. like you're a girl at that age you're like you know everything's life or death for them too
0: right right yeah. so
1: it's like um but yeah and I just missed home it was just like so I think at that point I had to I had to start carving it down and, and then it kind of naturally happened for me like I remember when I had a when I when I had to quit Throwdown, i I basically just told Dom, our bass player, like, you know, you're going to have to just kick me out. Cause I can't walk out the door. I just can't do it. Like I yeah. love it, you know? So they eventually just did that and it was totally cool. Yeah. <laughs> so
0: <laughs> I was like, we, okay. All right. So we, when you shared that with him, was that like months later that you were eventually quote unquote kicked out? Or was it like, it was
1: no, we tried to do it for a little while longer because at that time my friend, Matt Mentley. do you know Matt? Of course. Yeah. you met. Yeah. Um, yeah, one of my long-term buddies, he he, he was uh, he started filling in for Throwdown. Right, obviously it became you know Throwdown for so long. Yep, which is rad. But um, he was filling in, and we tried to do that for a while, and then it just became um, he's like filling in a lot or something. I don't really remember how it finally <laughs> right ended or what what I don't I don't remember that timeline to be honest. But yeah, yeah, yeah somewhere around there
0: yeah but i mean that like did they have to like legitimately be like keith you're out of the band now yeah
1: okay A dom called me and it was like okay, this is that conversation that we talked about before <laughs>
0: that's so funny I, I just find it like, like, yeah, funny cool, man i just find it funny that you were like yeah you teed it up and then you're like i don't know when this other she's gonna drop but it will and yeah yeah <laughs> that's really funny um
1: and so like you I, and honestly, yeah. I was sensitive to it at that time, because sure. because of some of that drama, right yep. you know, I go on tour with this band that means I can't tour with the other band, right? right, and with Throwdown, like I had rubbed them a little bit because I was going on other tours and stuff like that, And right. the same thing happened vice versa, but um, I think that was like if I quit, I feel like I'm bailing on them, you know right like I love them, I love Throwdown like, right that was I started that one too, like with those guys, right yeah, that was yeah, from the inception, so um so that's why I was like, I can't quit. Right. You know? And it was, yeah, I mean,
0: and it's like all of them were clicking at different paces, but all exciting paces. So it was, you know, yeah. next to impossible to, like you said, be in one in many places at once. Pause for a little break in the action, because I want to tell you about an amazing record from the music that you're hearing in the background. This band is called Conveyor. They are from the Midwest. They are an awesome hardcore band. And the record is called No Future, it comes out on June 23rd. And the song that you're hearing behind me That I'll play a little bit a bit more for you Is called Whetstone And um, go, period to the record It's victorymerch.com Slash store, slash conveyor I'll put it in the show notes So that way you don't forget it But um, this record is for fans of anything Like Stick to Your Guns Hundredth, Counterparts All that melodic hardcore stuff That I personally eat up This band does in spades so please, if you are liking what you're hearing and you'll you'll get them that nice little louder volume of it in a moment. But um, yeah, I, I got clued into this band via their first record. I was like, Oh, that's cool what they're doing, but this thing is basically putting them into a larger level. They'll be noticed more. They'll do cooler tours. All that stuff I see happening for the band in the near future. So, anyways, this is the song. It's called Whetstone. Hear hear a little bit of it, and then go through to the record. All right, and then we'll dive back into our discussion with Keith.
1: you. Go.
0: So like, uh, you know, as you were doing all this and being, you know, consumed by music and touring, um, did you have aspirations for like, oh, like, you know, I clearly I have to have a job or a career and that sort of stuff. Or was that basically just like, oh, I'm I, like, whatever, I'll just work a crappy job just to allow me to tour or whatever.
1: Uh, yeah, I, I had gotten into design. Um, even before I knew I was in design, I was like making zines and all right. that kind of stuff. Right. And my, my dad was really into photography, so I'd gotten into it. To photography through that, and then because of Adamantium, I had the, the first seven inch that we ever put out. I saw Paul Miner making the layout for the record, and that that turned me on to it. Right, and I was like, "This is super cool." And so I was like learning by myself. And and when I was in um, community college, uh, I was I was always pretty good with art in general. So I was like, "I'll just try, I'll try that. Maybe I'll." And so I really. Dug in with that, and that really, really clicked with me. So, at that time, I was, well, I don't, I don't remember the timeline, but basically, I went through design school. Okay, and I had to take off my last. I took off my last like whatever you call it quarter or something. Mm-hmm. I took like a little leave of absence because we got 18 visions got asked to do a tour, uh, with Lamb of God, and, uh, and so we took that tour, and then I came back, and then I finished school, mm-hmm. and then graduated. Got it. And then just went on tour forever.
0: Right. <laughs> but you had a piece of paper that said you were smart and you were qualified right. to have a job. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and so, I mean, I, kind of looping back to like with, as you were all doing this too, and you were, you know, touring and becoming ostensibly successful as far as being gone all the time. Like, w- were your parents just always like, Keith, hopefully you've got something going on besides all this band stuff? Or was it just like they just you know accepted it because they're like well he's on his own he's taking care of
1: himself um they they definitely liked that i had found something that i was into in design yep so they definitely supported that um it was still it was still rough uh you know because of the music so it was still so full-on with music yep um i had <laughs> man the times that I, the amount of times like I moved back in and got kicked out was like just so many, you know? Really? Just, yeah. yeah, totally. Like in high school, <laughs> I got kicked out so many times and then, and, and then afterwards, you know, I mean, I lived out on my own, but then there was times that I went back home and, sure. um, yeah, there was, there's was problems throughout that whole period, but they did, they did like the fact that, that I had found something I was interested in. I was, I was getting good at it. They could tell that like I took it seriously and I enjoyed it. So I was doing good at it and I was getting good grades and all that kind of stuff. And, right. And working hard on my projects and I would show them my projects and this and that.
0: Sure. And, well, it's in mean, it respect
1: to the fact that I came back to finish school and make sure I did that.
0: You right. Know? Right. And I'm sure, too,
1: because it's like that that's uh, way more tangible to them. It's like design. Yeah. That makes sense. But I think at that point, <laughs> I think my dad had kind of given up. He was just like, <laughs> all right, well. Well, whatever, this is what you're going to fucking do. So well, yeah, whatever keys to do. Yeah. I, as long as he, he didn't like it, but he like, he just stopped talking about it, you know, and yeah, I just yeah. went off on tour and, and, uh, so he wasn't pushing me to try to, you should be doing this. You should be doing, it was just, that kind of went out the window a little bit.
0: Right. He's like, I can't push him
1: anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Clearly true. it hasn't worked. It's like now there's tattoos and I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Such a fuck up. the um what always struck me about to you like as i got to know you and like your music taste and everything like that was the um not many people aligned themselves like kind of what we were talking about before we turned on the mics was like you know like basically politically charged hardcore bands mm. you know like yeah they're Popular, But it was like, I didn't feel to the extent that all of Orange County really embraced that notion. I mean, you know, ebullition, like anything Chris Collin has done is like, <laughs> you know, like, I mean, I worship at the altar of him and many of those ebullition bands as well. And I just, right. I didn't feel like it was like uh, widely uh, accepted. There were people that got it, but then there was a lot of people who didn't get it. Yeah. Um, but you like really got it and you really identified with it. Yeah. Um, but then your own music that you were creating wasn't rooted in any of that. Not say, not like saying, Oh, Keith, you're a poser because none of your bands were political. <laughs> but, um, you know, how, 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 was that all kind of like mixing itself? I mean, granted, yes, monument to thieves obviously was political, mm-hmm. um, because that was your brainchild. But, um, you know, how, how was that? Like, as you were started to incorporate so many of these philosophies and all these radical beliefs, um, you know, was, was it, was it met like, even with people within the context of the hardcore scene being like, Oh yeah. Like keys into some like even weirder stuff that like, doesn't make sense within
1: <laughs> what we're doing, you know? And I, I was always like searching to like incorporate that somehow. Like I yeah. wanted to, but yeah, I just, I, the other people that I was in bands with and stuff like they didn't Share that Right You know I think they liked the bands But they didn't really Kind of get into the Right like It wasn't the, like In their stuff DNA Stuff quite yeah. as much You know what I mean They didn't like Struggle as much as I did And Yeah of course cast and all that stuff I was <laughs> right. like so into it um, um, Although Some of the guys In 18 Visions Were mm-hmm. like that as well Like Schipetti was And yep. Javier was And Ken was Right And although like You know James was never I think he liked some of those bands But he didn't like Get into the politics Or anything like that So it right. never It never came out in the lyrics Or anything like that Right But I definitely shared that With those guys Like we all Loved those bands We all loved that type of stuff Yeah So there was like I feel like I found a home in that band with some of that stuff.
0: Right. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. It's like whether or not it's actually going to be displayed in the music that you're presenting. Yeah. It, there's still that commonality where you're, you know, clearly yeah. all still on the same page.
1: Yeah. 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 We just had like a lot of things that we, that were similar. like, and and there was, there was some of that, um, Ephraim would do some of that stuff in death by sterile. Absolutely. Which I liked a lot too. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's yeah, a good
0: point. yeah, yeah. It,
1: it really wasn't until a lot later with like the whole monument thing where I was like, I can finally do this thing. <laughs> Like, it's been burning inside of me. Yeah, I it, need to do my His Heroes
0: Gone ripoff band. <laughs> it's straight off, dude. Of course, of course. Yeah, the, um, And kind of focusing on 18 Visions where it was, um, you know, once you joined the band, th- the, you know, they were clearly already on the up and up as far as, you know, whatever, signing to Trustkill and people were paying attention to them based on the fact that they were... Um, I mean, there was a lot of negative attention towards the band in regards to like, uh, the thing I liked so much about 18 Visions was like, you, you really didn't sit on the fence with the band. You either like loved it yeah. or you fucking hated it. You yeah. were just like, look at like, these guys are freaks, weirdos, whatever.
1: Yeah.
0: Like <sighs> um, never accepted. No. I mean like, it, it was, yeah, like I, like I said, you just, you really, you got it or you didn't get it. Yeah. <clears throat> and I, I mean, I personally always got it. Like I always really, really enjoyed it from the lifeless EP and on. That's awesome. But the, um, as you started to, you I know, didn't know that. Yeah, I love, That's I mean, cool. yeah, I've always loved 18 Visions. I mean, it, like, through, uh, even when you guys pushed, you know, further sonically into places that people were just like, yo, fuck 18 Visions. I can't even stand what they're like, you know, yeah. why do they sound like Stuntable Pilots, Hardcore, or whatever? Right. I still even got what you guys were doing. But <laughs> the as you started to play out nationally, and once you joined the band and you started to see those reactions, like, was that kind of. Um, was that exciting for you to see the, that the, those polarizing reactions to the way people were kind of treating you weirdly in certain respects?
1: Yeah. I mean, the, the thing that I always... I, I gravitated towards... I mean, before I was in 18 Visions, I was just a fucking total fan. Yeah. And I loved... The, something that they had that I didn't have with the bands that I was in was that they were darker. And they were more... I don't give a fuck. And yeah. they were more... Like, they liked those influences like we were just talking about that these other guys didn't really and so i really just had a bond with that so yeah i i definitely enjoyed like doing just just doing what we wanted and letting the fire rise yeah <laughs> you know what i'm saying right it was just like it was it was like you're saying like some people came up and were like holy fuck i love your band and then some right. people were just like literally talking shit like oh, yeah. they're walking by me you know right, what i mean right. and <laughs> And we were confident enough in who we were, what we liked, what we were trying to do, that like it was kind of funny to us. You know? Right. It was just it was all right.
0: Yeah, and I, I always we found could it whether it totally. I found it like there was this uh, this sense of pride too, where it was like you know because yes, there was there a notion. I mean, every speaking to the youth of everybody at that time, you know, there was always a sense of jealousy where it's just like, why does this band have this thing? And then I don't have this thing. Like, why can they do this? And we can't do this. And it's just like, well, cause you're different bands and like more people like the other band, like there's, yes. there's no other explanation. But I always felt a, a sense of pride in regards to once orange, the orange County band started to, Um, make themselves known nationally. And it's just like, you know, like whatever, playing Hellfest and seeing Orange County Band just being like, dude, like we're, we're stacked on this representation of this festival and like Mm -hmm. people are losing their minds over it. Um, And it felt it, 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 it did feel weirdly um, well, not weirdly, but it it did feel like this, this community in ways that I I think other scenes uh, may not have the same sort of Uh, well they do have the same sort of pride but just like I guess the uh, the notion that like none of our bands sounded alike but we all kind of carved our own paths yeah yeah and that's I I just don't think that that I mean yes I guess it's common in many other scenes but it just felt uh, it felt unique I guess just because all of our bands sounded very different
1: yeah definitely I think everyone could when we played together and we were putting out records and stuff we could see what everyone else was doing yeah and it was kind of um Well, I mean, I can, speaking for myself, I would see what other people was doing and I would, I would, I mean, I know we, we came from the same place, but like I always wanted to do something a little different. I wanted to stretch a little further and try this too. So we brought into these elements and we would try these things and. And because everyone else is doing that. And I think a lot of bands were doing it like yeah. around here, you know, everyone kind of had their, yeah, they had their own kind of lane.
0: Right. <laughs> yeah. Like zigging when everyone else is zagging because they're just like, okay, like I know that we can't be the heaviest band, but we can be this thing. And yeah. Oh, I know we can't be the most melodic band but be, but we can be this thing or whatever. And yeah. it's like, yeah, it, it was interesting to see that all splinter off in so many different ways that, um, yeah that just like theoretically probably shouldn't have happened in such a condensed time because that was you know it's less than 10 years where all that stuff was happening and it's like yeah. it's wild to think about that yeah, um, the uh, like, like you said once you were um, you know basically touring constantly with 18 visions and, and started to propel into you know playing ostensibly like a rock band you know as far as the crowds you were playing to and you know going on tour with him and everything that started to happen with that yeah. um, you, you always struck me too like you were interested in the business of the band but not to the extent where you were I like, guess the main player in regards to like you were the one like booking the shows and being like the sort of manager of the band like was that always something that you kind of tr- wanted to keep at a distance or you just frankly didn't care too much about that
1: yeah i just never never cared too much i was always in the the serious conversations we'd have to have about a, a with the band about like okay you know what are we going to do next what are we going to do we have to make a decision about this tour and this now we would talk about stuff but um i never got into the nuts and bolts of like yeah money or you know i would let our tour managers take care of that stuff and i, I just right. yeah i loved writing music i loved <laughs> playing and hanging out like i the other stuff was we had to talk about it sometimes, but yeah, mm-hmm. it was never something I gravitated. Some some guys and some bands do, you know. They yeah. like, I get, they would kinda take control and, and, and do that. like in Throwdown that was Dom. Yep. You know, he would book the shows or he would talk to the people who were booking the shows and he'd be the in between guy on everything and yeah no thanks yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well I mean it's it's good I mean it's good that you recognize that in yourself because sometimes yeah. I think it's difficult when bands have two people that are feeling like they can do that and then then you just butt heads and then
1: yeah luckily in 82 in Visions Ken was always that guy right Ken was really the driving force with like so much about like the backbone and brains of what was happening
0: right right yeah you yeah yeah, when you, I always find it weird when you have a band that doesn't have one of those people where you're just like how are you like I mean I understand that you know you can have managers and a lot of other people that help you along the way but I always find it weird when it's like the whole band is like collectively like nah yeah it's like well, how'd you even get like yeah totally <laughs> how would you how did you get to where you are right now it's lost at sea <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> the um, and so then as you started to scale down your your touring and start to be you know less involved in that that day-to-day of uh, or actually let me rephrase it you liked touring like you, you enjoyed the, uh, the act of touring and obviously playing live and everything like that. But you know, did, uh, did it get to a grind to you? Not in the same way that you, you know, when you're doing three tours in a row with three different bands, but like once 18 visions was touring so frequently, um, did that get like a grind on you or was it like, Oh, it was relatively always enjoyable.
1: Yeah, no, I started getting old just the, just the act of touring and, and living out of a suitcase um i my my favorite thing about being in a band always has been making records yeah. so writing the music and then like turning this idea in my head into like a reality i could put it on you know vinyl or whatever and and have that to like put on my shelf. Like that's what was cool. Like I like creating things. And that comes back to design and all this yeah, stuff. Yeah, I, I just yeah. love making things and then seeing the end result and going, okay, I like what I did there. May I try to do this on the next one and whatever. And so it's just constant thing of creation. And touring <clears throat> was a lot of fun, but you know, the fifth time you go to Australia and you're playing the same clubs, like it just lost a little bit of the, you know, newness or whatever and and it's just it's fucking taxing. Mm-hmm. Um and and also a big part of it was just, like, your, your connections and relationship back home. They really kind of can suffer. That's mm-hmm. super tough, right? And um, so all of that mixed in together was, like, I mean, we were, we were on the ride with, with 18. And, the, and there was a moment where Ken and I had discussed, like, all right, like, this whole time the band's basically, we've been doing this, like, it's been this upward slope. Right. And when we broke up was kind of like when we just had finally, so basically we got dropped from our major Mm -hmm. and we were like, maybe this is the right time to just like, let's just stop at the top. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's, this is a good place to, to stop it. Um, or I think during the last record cycle was like, if, if things don't play out right on this major, like, you know, then maybe that's when we'll do it. Right. And then so then some, Fuckery happened up with our like singles and this and that, but then we were like, Yeah, I think. And I had kind of noticed it because at the exact same time, the last tour that I had done at that time was uh, we had toured with um, the Deftones in Australia mm-hmm. and and thrice, and it was like, This is an amazing tour, but I was like, <laughs> Right, kind of can it, I'm like looking forward to be home, yeah, so that's how I kind of knew. You know. Right. I was ready for like a little bit of a normal life.
0: Sure. The writing was on the wall where it's like yeah. oh, like if I'm not if I'm really not absorbing the fact that it's like, yeah, you're in Australia with, you know, yeah. some amazing bands and then it's like oh yeah, it's I, mean, feels- I
1: definitely had fun still, but like yeah. but I, I was just I was craving a normal life really. Like I was I was ready to like be home for an extended period of time and like be able to see the same people you know like my friends at home like and right. over again and my family and this and that so
0: right right yeah <laughs> the 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 normalcy that you know many people uh are you know argue is mundane it's like well no like there's a reason that a lot of people like normalcy yeah
1: because sure. it feels good yeah totally <laughs> a little bit
0: of repetition's nice exactly um and did you uh did you, did you become adjusted right away to like not being on tour or was that something that like, you know, after, you know, cause you always have that time where it's just like, Oh, you know, after three months of being home, like, Oh, I'd like to go back on the road, but like, that's not an option. Or was it like, no, I really enjoy being home.
1: No, I really enjoyed being home. It was really, it was weird adjusting to being back in like a full-time job. Oh, sure. Like my first design job. Um, that was definitely weird. Like, uh, being in an office and stuff like that yep. at, at first. Uh, but but no, I, I enjoy being home. Yeah,
0: that's awesome. Um, and so the last couple of things, uh, the, you know, I mean, 18 visions is obviously back and, you know, you're putting out a new record and everything like that. Um, I, I really enjoy the fact that every band can exist in this. Like we can, we can create music and we'll put it out to people who care about it. Um, but we don't need to make this like our living, breathing, dying thing. Right. right. Um, I presume that is like the biggest impulse for you to do it again is from that notion of just like, Oh yeah, this can be simple.
1: Yeah. And I think it's cool. Like the way you just put it and the way that you recognize it, because uh, there's definitely this, you know, um, flippant backlash of like, Oh, like all these bands are getting back together and blah, blah, blah. And either reliving the glory days or whatever they, their spin is. um, it's it's way more simple like you just said yeah it's just now you know just from technology to every, it's just it's it's easier and i mean the time is right for us now uh, mostly because i could pick my head out of the sand and i i feel like i've got my life in a place where i can pick my head up now i feel like with my kids and parenting the family and my career and all that kind of stuff i feel like i'm on a bit of a a normal role and all this stuff and and i feel like okay i can i can start dedicating more time to music but yeah um yeah no i i, I the the living die or the the life or death stuff is one trillion percent in the music i mean like We take writing and making these songs just as serious as we ever did. Right. Like, I can definitely assure you, like, we're so proud of this record and we're so proud of, um, of, of what we've done. And it was so fun. This process has been so fun. And the nostalgia of, like, that old feeling of making the record back then, sure. and being able to do it again now, is just fucking awesome. Right. Um, and I just love these dudes so much. I, like, Trevor and James, like, just, we just had, we had a rad connection when, like, at v always had, we had a really rad bond. Yeah. You know, like, not all bands got along and stuff like that. Right. But we did. And so we just, we've had so much fun.
0: Right. It's like slipping on an old pair of shoes where you're just like, oh, like this is what it's like to be creative with people who you're like on the same level.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I think with, with the fact that we have a little bit of history behind us and, um, you know, we feel confident that we can still make out, you know, put out a a, a great record. Like we can still have some doors open for us and we can still play and get out there and do some manageable things and like still kind of exist without Mm -hmm. having to be like, yeah like road dogs yes. <laughs> you know what i mean totally um it's not like yeah I, we we all, the th- we all have careers and stuff like that we're not worried about falling on our ass or whatever.
0: Right. Exactly. You're not like, well, I, I, we got to do this in order to pay the bills. And it's like, yeah. no, that's like furthest from
1: yeah. anybody's,
0: everybody's thought. It's like, Oh, with the fact that we can put out a record and people are going to care about it. Like that's, that's the ultimate, yeah, totally. that's the ultimate victory. Yep. Um, and then, uh, you know, like you mentioned, you know, family man, married, you have two kids, right? Mm-hmm. um, The, you know, coming from a subculture like we have and then, you know, raising children and everything like that. I mean, it's it's something I think about constantly in regards to the fact that tell me if you if you've had this thought where. I look at like okay what is my kid gonna get into that I'm gonna like not know about or is gonna surprise me you know Mm -hmm. and I I really rifle through this in my head like if you know my son brings home like an insane clown posse record (laughs) I'm gonna gonna at least at the very bare minimum I know what he's talking about like like, dude I
1: already have all
0: those right (laughs) I'm like dude I've already been to the gathering bro
1: They're here this whole time Right.
0: But like, you know what I'm saying? Like the, like what is, what subculture is my child going to get into that? I'm not going to understand because I feel like, yeah, it's bound to happen. I mean, to an extent, but I just think that like, because you know, like people such as ourselves are like, are plugged into so much, you know, weird shit that like, what, what is going to happen? And then on that same tip, the fact that, we're raising our kids from that sort of subculture perspective mm-hmm. um is that so like i don't know i mean I, I know there's not real a question really tied into that but like d- is, is no, that, that something yeah, yeah is that something that like goes through your mind where it's just like oh the fact that i'm coming from this weird subculture and i'm raising my kids in this way that
1: frankly i wasn't raised yeah you know so like well see, my my wife is not from the same subculture you know right. so so there's going to be a balance for Absolutely. sure you know um i'm definitely going to be exposing them to these things you know to to music and records and and going to shows i'm gonna take them you know so they can experience that because you know yeah us as parents it showing them it's not gonna it doesn't i mean i guess i know it's underground in a lot of ways but it doesn't feel like that to us but for so much of the world it is it's like this total like Yeah. They don't even know it exists, right? So you say tour, they think of a bus or whatever they think. Right, right. (laughs) So, So I really love the fact that I'll be able to expose them to this thing that's like this thing is under the surface and and because you know that, you're gonna know in other parts of life there's lots of other things that are under the surface, you know? Like you didn't know about this, so you'll probably in other parts of life dig for more information about other things too. And so whether they pick up on you know Hardcore or yeah or punk or whatever. That's, it, that's
0: irrelevant. Like yeah, yeah.
1: You know, I mean, I'm gonna try to get them excited about that. Of, of course, course. But, of course, but um, but yeah, I just hope the mentality is is understood and and transferred. You know, yeah. And I think it will make them smarter. Mm-hmm. You know, just that goes for everything with politics, to you know, to, to the world, to relationships. Like, there's you need things take time to understand. You need to dig t- deep to find the important shit. Right.
0: right. A- and, and you need to be exposed to it. Yeah. Because I think that's so much that goes along with, I mean, frankly, why we're, you know, in our, in our mid to late thirties and still care so much about this, this subculture is not only is it because it's given us, you know, whatever, so many foundational aspects to our lives. But the fact that that we were able to trip across this and experience this, whereas a lot of other people, it's like you know you express the idea of you know whatever veganism you know the anarchy whatever all these these words that are meaningless to a lot of people in the outside world, you're just like at least we've had that exposure to it. Yeah, and, it's,
1: I, and being from Orange County, like there's there's no reason why I would have needed any of that stuff. Right, but it wasn't until I was touring and seeing how other people live in different countries and different, you know, just the, in different cities. I mean, you know, like Cleveland, Detroit, and these places that I had never been to and seeing how other people live, like it just really levels the fuck out of you, you know, like Mm -hmm. mentally, you know, that it's perspective. Yeah. That's, that's what it is. You know, and I, I, that's what I want is perspective and understanding that there's, there's like, there's other frequencies that you can't hear you know, that are out there. Yeah. Yeah. And you need, yeah. you, you And be you showed, you got to be exposed. Like you said, exactly.
0: Yeah. And you need, you need to be able to, uh, you know, understand where it comes from first without judgment, you know, because yeah. it's like when we start first started getting into this, this, you know, weird music scene. It's like, it would have been easy. Like, it's so easy to drop a person off with no context into this thing and then like have them make fun of everything. She's yeah. like, well, this looks ridiculous. Why are a bunch of people jumping on each other's backs and like swinging their arms? You know,
1: like, yes, it looks my wife like- brought her best friend to a disembodied show. Okay. <laughs> Which is, I'm sure just like, what is this? This was her first show. And she was just watching, the devil incarnate on stage right? and all these fools just raging totally. And she was like, what the hell is happening here? Right. This is insane. Yeah. Yeah. And she was totally like making fun of it and all this stuff. And I had to like say something like, Hey, you don't know where you are right now totally and you need to soak it in before you say something okay i was like really offended
0: dude you say it right there that was like that was like total total dad voice right there (laughs) (laughs) you're like like listen here just just hold on (laughs) slow (laughs) your (laughs) roll i love that though but i mean it's true because you need you you have to be reminded that it's like yeah it may seem ridiculous to you but like this you know again this is this is this is life or death this is like something that is irrevocable Changing people's lives, and you don't even know how it's able to. You're not even able to describe how that's changing people's lives in that very moment because you won't notice it until five, ten years later, and it's like, oh wow, yeah. like that's Some crazy. People
1: love techno.
0: Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, hey, hopefully it's changed your life for the positive. Sure, it has. <laughs> but then you're like, there's no, but there's no real actual like uh, philosophy that's attached <laughs> to this. Besides, I mean, maybe you could argue like, you know, plur, like peace, love and under whatever the, the, the rave. Have you heard that? No. And so I think it's, uh, it's more in rave culture, but it's like plur, which is like peace, love, understanding and respect. Oh, I back it. Yeah. Which, I mean, it's <laughs> but that's like, you know, like mid to late nineties rave culture where everyone was, you know, doing ecstasy and touching themselves. Um, not like I had any it's part like of that or Toby whatever. Toby
1: Morris on drugs. right. <laughs>
0: That's true. Yeah, maybe that could be yeah, that could be like if he ever decides to drop straight edge, like he could just completely <laughs> transition his to another home. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh Keith, thanks for hanging out, man. This was super fun for me. I hope you enjoyed it. Yeah, thanks it was cool, <laughs> for coming over. It's cool. Of course, sure. man. All right. That was Keith. And thank you very much, Keith, for hanging out and inviting me over to your house and uh giving me a nice cup of coffee, you know? It was it was great to uh chill out with a person who I just kind of knew in passing. But uh, now we have a deeper relationship. It's great. So uh, their new record comes out uh, Friday on the 2nd of June. And actually, it's the same day that I'm going to see them live. Come back, play a show here in uh, Orange County, and it will be quite fun. So um, yeah, the record's out on Rise Records, if I'm not mistaken. And it's called 18, the Roman numeral 18, which, you know, no one knows Roman numerals anymore. It's, that's something that I, I don't think that schools even teach anymore. So uh, let's, let's bring back the Roman numeral, right? So technically, it's a self-titled record, but it's called 18. Well, actually, no, it's not, because then it would be 18 divisions. Whew, wow. My head is in a cloud. But anyways, <laughs> thank you very much, Keith. And thank you very much, uh, Biggie, his manager, for uh, helping usher this along as well. Uh, actually, you know what? I don't think he did, but uh, whatever. Give shout-out to him anyways. <laughs> no, he did. He sent me the record, so that was nice. Um, and then next week, holy crap five years. It's our five-year anniversary, R. I say R like I'm looking at anybody else besides myself. It's my five-year anniversary of this show, and uh, I'm breaking a rule. I am going to be having on a guest that I previously had on the show, which, you know, I've done that here and there in regards to like bonus episodes and what have you, but this is a repeat guest that um, I just... I had to have him on the show because... He's not only one of my favorite people, favorite vocalists of all time, um, but it just I, I had to talk to him again because it's been far too long. Chris Callahan from Swarm, Left for Dead, Cursed, Burning Love, Sect, Countdown to Oblivion. I could go on and on, but I won't. But he's on next week, and it's a very special, fun conversation that um, just basically typifies what this podcast tries to do. And um, I had to celebrate it in some capacity, right? <laughs> so that's next week. Lowercase Noises provides the music, as always. You can check out his new record called The Swiss Illness. You can find it on any streaming provider. And it is a beautiful, beautiful record, so you should be checking it out. And um, what else I got for you? That's that's it, right? Yeah, that's all. I'm, uh, I'm going to go take a break now because I've been working so hard recently. <laughs> but until next week, please be safe, everybody. You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Jabberjawmedia.com. Shh.